sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on sports grid and Sirius XM channel 159 that's the home for sports grid radio on Sirius XM all across the sports grid network as well I am Ben Stevens thank you for joining us here live on this Tuesday all across the grid just two weeks left of the NFL regular season now as week 16 comes to a close on a Monday night in Indianapolis. So much to get to across the National Football League as we take you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time live on this Tuesday. College football bowl season really enters high gear on this Tuesday as well. Four bowl games today, four more tomorrow, three on Thursday, five on Friday in the college football playoff semifinals on Saturday, New Year's Eve. Multiple bowl games each and every day the rest of the way, even starting off in 2023. We'll go around the association as well. Everything live right here on a Tuesday on TMA. Let's dive right in the finale of week 16 in the National Football League last night in Indianapolis. The Colts back in prime time, and thankfully that will be the last time we see Indianapolis in prime time this year. But big for the Los Angeles Chargers. The Bolts go on the road. They get a 20-3 victory, covering as a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. And for the first time since 2018, the L.A. Chargers are back in the NFL playoffs, clinching their first playoff berth since the 2018 campaign with the 20-3 victory last night in Indianapolis. A total of 44-and-a-half stays well under. The Chargers have now gone under in six of their last eight games. But that was the beauty last night for the Bolts. Their first playoff berth since 2018. Their first postseason appearance with Justin Herbert as the quarterback, now in his third season in the National Football League. Indianapolis has officially been eliminated from postseason contention after winning their first game under interim head coach Jeff Saturday. The Colts have now dropped five straight the offense for the Chargers still leaves a little bit to be desired but now on this three game winning streak the defense has stepped up only allowing their opponents to average about 11 points per game but if the Chargers are going to take advantage of this playoff berth and make noise in January in the NFL postseason the offense needs to be better than it was last night but you get some small glimpses Austin Eckler finds the end zone twice 67 rushing yards over his 53 and a half yard rushing prop and you see those two wide receivers and what Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were able to do their three game win streak has coincided with three consecutive games of having both Allen and Williams on the gridiron at the same time Justin Herbert goes well under his passing yards prop of 280 and a half it opened at 270 and a half he had thrown for at least 318 yards in two consecutive games three consecutive rather entering this football game against the Colts he stays well under but he was efficient 24 of 31 again Keenan Allen last night 11 grabs on 14 targets for 104 yards Mike Williams adds 76 yards as well on the other side for the Colts I mean, who really cares? Nick Foles made the start last night. He was atrocious in pretty much every aspect of the game under in every single prop, unless you had the alternate interceptions prop of two and a half. He went over that. He had three picks last night and was sacked 
seven times. You can see the impact that Khalil Mack has made for Los Angeles. So now as you look at the AFC wildcard standings, the Bolts are into the playoffs for the first time since 2018. Officially a wild card team. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. You're the opening hour of a Tuesday live on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Monday Night Football in Indianapolis. The Chargers go on the road. They win 20-3, to covering easily as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Just their second cover in their last six games, booked as a favorite. And with the win, L.A. is back into the postseason for the first time since 2018. Currently, they hold that number six spot in the AFC playoff standings, but officially punching their ticket to the postseason. There was optimism for L.A. The second year with Brandon Staley as the head man. The third year with the very talented Justin Herbert as the quarterback calling the signals for that offense. You can see where their odds were in the preseason. Favored to make the postseason, they have officially cashed that ticket a minus 162 number before the year got underway. Now, it's about the optimism for the playoffs. They are 15-1 to to win an AFC championship. If the offense, which is now getting healthier and healthier each and every week with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can continue to progress, then maybe the Chargers can make some noise. There was optimism in the AFC West really all across the board entering the season. Not just LA that entered the year at plus 240 behind the Chiefs to win the division, but the Denver Broncos that entered at plus 260, only a dollar and five cents behind Kansas City to win the AFC West. And the Broncos were tied with the Chargers at a number to win the AFC before the year got underway, tied for the third best price. It has been a disaster in Denver all season long. And after just 15 games into his first year, Nathaniel Hackett has now been fired by the Denver Broncos. That was the news we got yesterday. Denver this year, just 4-11 straight up, 6-9 against the spread. And the offensive mastermind that Nathaniel Hackett was billed to be, spending the last three seasons as the offensive coordinator in Green Bay alongside Aaron Rodgers, certainly faltered on that expectation. The Broncos, the worst scoring offense in the National Football League, only averaging 15.5 points per game. You can see what the expectation was entering this season. A win total of nine and a half. They were favored to make the postseason. They have four wins and 11 losses at this point. Plenty more around the National Football League. Some reaction with the mastermind of the pigskin, Joe Lisi, up next, live right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Tons of football coming your way. Live on this Tuesday morning right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens but i am no mastermind of the pigskin that is joe lisi he joins us here on this tuesday tma joe and i co-host football full circle each and every weekday starting at noon eastern time on sports grid radio and of course of course we host college football today together each and every saturday morning alongside kevin walsh a big cft upcoming on this saturday starting at 9 a.m eastern time on new year's eve because it is the day of the college football playoff semifinals. And bowl season really enters high gear today as well. Lisey, we'll get your thoughts on everything. But first, 
We say thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday and hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Oh, I did, Ben. Uh, Happy holidays to you and the family. This is what it's all about. Most wonderful time of the year, and it kicks off today with four bowl games. Doesn't get better than this, does it? No, it does not. Multiple bowl games, at least three each and every day for the rest of bowl season until January 2nd. Joe, we were live on air yesterday on FFC on Sports Grid Radio around 12.44 p.m. Eastern time here in the New York City area when we got the breaking news that Nathaniel Hackett had been fired by the Denver Broncos. I know what your initial takeaway was then, but about a little less than 24 hours later, how has this news settled in? What did you make of the timing of the firing of Nathaniel Hackett after his 15th game, not even completing a full season? Well, I thought it happened way too soon, uh, way too late. How about that? It should have happened maybe week one when he opted for the for the field goal as opposed to sticking the nail in the coffin and going for the touchdown in week number one. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, this team was in disarray. They get abused by the L.A. Rams and a pedestrian quarterback, Baker Mayfield, that comes over, had two starts under his belt, throws for over 200 yards. Tyler Higby was lights out with two touchdown receptions. Cam Akers, three touchdowns on the ground. I mean, Russell Wilson was a deer in the headlights. And at the end of the day, how much infighting could the Denver Broncos sustain throughout the season? We saw it obviously on the sidelines in the loss in L.A. We also saw it in Carolina where they got absolutely abused on both sides of the football. And at the end of the day, I thought it should have happened maybe week number four, week number five. I think the bigger question, Ben, is what do they do with Russell Wilson? Is this really the leader of this team moving forward in 2023? It seems as though based on contract expenses, they are tied to Russell Wilson for the foreseeable future. We'll have plenty more reaction from the Mile High City later on in hour number two. But Joe, I think you're right. I think Nathaniel Hackett lost the Denver fan base after week one up in Seattle, certainly after week two, where the confounding clock management led to Nathaniel Hackett hiring a guy by the name of Jerry Roseberg as his game management assistant. It is now Roseberg, who is the interim head coach. Talk about an ironic situation there. It was a big day of breaking news, Joe Lisi, all around the National Football League yesterday because on Monday following the Christmas Day game for the Dolphins against the Packers Tua Tungavailoa has now entered concussion protocol once again that is what head coach Mike McDaniel told the media on Monday afternoon Tua self-reporting his symptoms the day following the game yesterday exhibiting those symptoms that have placed him now in concussion protocol but Lisi I think as you look at this situation, this is now the third known instance of Tua Tungavailoa entering concussion protocol just this season in 2022. It led to an update in the concussion protocol based on that first scenario back in week number two against the Buffalo Bills. So, Joe, I think the question a lot of NFL fans have surrounding this Tua Tungavailoa situation is how did this happen again? Well, I mean, he took a late hit, uh, obviously, in the second quarter of that ball game, and it's after the fact, right, that he throws three interceptions and 
had a pitiful second half performance. At the end of the day, I think it's a bigger concern if he did, in fact, have a concussion now, like you mentioned, in terms of three straight times this year that he's in concussion protocol. That's a cause of concern moving forward in terms of big picture. How does it affect his playing career down the road? This is supposedly the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Didn't step up from an on-the-field performance, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure from a health aspect, he is prepared and, and healthy, number one. And number two, he could go maybe five, six years down the road. This is really concerning if you're a Miami Dolphin fan because how do they play this, right? The playoffs are on the line. He might not be available. It'll be Teddy Bridgewater, but we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I'm glad that they're taking precaution, Ben, but at the end of the day, you have to be concerned about potentially is this the guy that we need, you know, over the next two or three years if he can't stand up to the pounding of an NFL season. Additional reporting showed the play happened against the Green Bay Packers, like Joe mentioned, near the end of the first half. Tua played the rest of the second half, throwing three interceptions on the final three offensive drives for Miami in that game on Christmas Day Sunday against the Packers. His long-term health, just personally, for the individual, not even the football player that is Tua Tungabailoa, certainly is in doubt right now. His status the rest of the way is in doubt, including this upcoming Sunday in a huge matchup against the New England Patriots. There's the person of Tua Tungabailoa, and we wish his just individual health the best, and then the football perspective of a big trip for the Finns on the road in Foxborough. Lisi, they opened as a slight road favorite. Now Miami is a slight road underdog. And just a few weeks ago, Joe Lisi, this was a Dolphins team that was eight and three straight up, seemed poised to maybe make a run at the AFC East divisional crown. And if they were in a wild card spot, make some noise once we got to the AFC postseason. Now the Dolphins have dropped four straight games and are holding on to that seventh and final AFC playoff spot. How do you evaluate Miami moving forward if it is Teddy Bridgewater that now steps up at the quarterback position? Yeah, I, I don't have any concerns about Bridgewater, right? He's a battle-tested quarterback. He's a veteran. You understand what you're going to get from Teddy B. As long as he's healthy and he stays upright, he has an opportunity to score points on the road in Foxborough. Bigger picture, as long as Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill walk onto that football field, Miami has a very good shot to win this matchup. I talked to you in the break. What does it take from an offensive perspective for Miami to pull this ball game out? maybe 24 points, because I have no confidence in Mac Jones and that offense for New England. That's the bigger picture. They want to run the football, obviously, between the tackles with Stevenson. But at the end of the day, you got to believe that Miami takes that away and puts this ball game onto Mac Jones's shoulders. And that's where I have a big cause of concern for the New England Patriots. How many more gimmicky plays can Mac Jones score a touchdown on? And when you saw that ball game against Cincinnati last week, they fall behind 22 to nothing. They make it close. They were in a position to pull it out. But at the end of the day, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are still calling the plays. Give me Miami, Ben. Maybe Bill O'Brien on his way to New England next year in 2023. The Finns, a top 10 rushing defense, but have allowed a ton of points. The sixth worst scoring defense in the NFL, giving up more than 24 points per game on average. For another AFC East team, that's playoff hopes are still alive. The New York Jets getting some good news yesterday, Joe Lisi. Mike White 
has been cleared by the medical staff. He is now the starter once again for Robert Sala and Gang Green. Expected to make the start this upcoming weekend on Sunday in Seattle. The Jets a two-and-a-half-point favorite against another team fighting for their postseason lives in the Seattle Seahawks. Joe, how much of an upgrade is Mike White over Zach Wilson? Oh, a significant upgrade. He understands where he wants to go with the football. He's confident. The offensive line buys into Mike White, and they're going to be in this ball game now. I think it's a difficult matchup heading out west. We saw Seattle take care of the New York Giants earlier in the year. I think this is a bounce-back spot for DK Metcalf and Geno Smith and that offense. I think they have a huge offensive performance and cover this number in Seattle Sunday afternoon. Now we go from professional football to college football. Bowl season really picks up on this Tuesday. You have the mastermind of the college football pigskin here with you for a second straight segment. Joe Lisi and I go bowling, and we fly around bowl season for Lisi's bowl season lean. Stay with us here live on the morning after on this Tuesday on Sportsman. Come back and join us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is time to fly around bowl season. Four games on this Tuesday as bowl season truly picks up in intensity and steam on this Tuesday. And we welcome you back live right here to the morning after on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens alongside the mastermind of the college football pigskin. That is Joe Lisi here for a second straight segment. Both Joe and I host college football today, each and every Saturday, live right here on Sports Grid alongside our good pal, OK Dubs. Kevin Walsh. And on Saturday, Joe Lisi, we will preview the college football playoff semifinals. Number one, Georgia. Number four, Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. The nightcap on New Year's Eve. The Fiesta Bowl is first up. Number two, Michigan. And number three, TCU. But before we get to that point on Saturday, tons of bowl festivities to break down in the week ahead. It starts bright and early here at 12 p.m. Eastern time on this Tuesday with a matchup between Georgia Southern and Buffalo. Right now, it's the Eagles, Joe Lisi, a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Buffalo Bulls out of the max. 66-and-a-half is the total. What's the approach to the first bowl game up in the Camellia Bowl on this Tuesday? Well, we have Clay Helton back in a bowl game, right? Got the victory over your Nebraska Cornhuskers with Kyle Van Treese. They're averaging 323 through the air. I got to buy into Georgia Southern here, laying the four and a half in this bowl game. But I'll tell you what, I love the over 66 and a half. You have a Georgia Southern defense giving up 240 rushing yards on the ground. Buffalo's given up a buck 75 in run support. So all the running backs might have success today. That means chunk yards, baby. Give me the over. I love the look to get things started. Noon Eastern time to kick in the Camellia Bowl. As Joe mentioned, Kyle Van Trees led by Clay Helton's offense and that passing attack for Georgia Southern, the fifth best in the country, averaging nearly 324 yards per game. Buffalo giving up only 215 through the air, but I'm not sure they've seen a passing attack quite like that of Georgia Southern entering today's Camellia Bowl. Later on in Birmingham, it is a Carolina clash, East Carolina, Coastal Carolina, an ECU right now, Joe Lisi, north of a touchdown 
favorite. It is very interesting, in my opinion, when you look at this spread, knowing that Grayson McCall is playing in his final game for the Chanticleers before his future down there in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, is left in doubt. So when you see this seven and a half point number, why is the spread so large, knowing that Grayson McCall is playing for Coastal? Well, Chadwell, right, takes over at, at yeah. Liberty, their head coach. So, obviously, this team limped to the finish line. Not the same uh, uh, Coastal Carolina team that we saw, especially in terms of the rushing attack. Only averaging about 162 yards per game. They were well over 200 the past couple of seasons. So, that's the difference yeah. right now. Coupled with the fact that their secondary, their secondary is given up. 282 passing yards per game, and that'll favor Holton Allers and that offense of ECU that did knock off BYU and obviously UCF this year. They're battle-tested. I give the edge to ECU. I think they win. Coastal covers the line, though, Ben. But I'll tell you this, 64 and a half with two good quarterbacks. You have two secondaries yeah. that are suspect. Give me the over 64 and a half in this matchup as well. ECU just two and four against the spread as a favorite against FBS teams this year. Coastal has been a dog in their final four games entering this Birmingham Bowl against the Pirates of East Carolina. They got blown out in their final two, including the Sun Belt Championship game. However, in their two prior to that, they won outright as an underdog when Grayson McCall was healthy. Another game in the middle of the Camellia Bowl in the Birmingham Bowl, the first responders bowl between Utah State and Memphis. The Tigers, a seven and a half point favorite for that one. The nightcap on this Tuesday, Joe, to end off the quadruple header in bowl season as it really picks up a good one between Oklahoma State in Wisconsin, the Badgers right now, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Both programs in a little bit of influx at the moment. The veteran for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, in the transfer portal. Of course, Luke Fickle now coming in as the head coach for the Badgers. But Wisconsin has made it to a bowl game in 21 straight years. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So, Lisi, what is a key matchup you have your eye on for this game between the Pokes and the Badgers? Well, it's Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. Can they pound the rock on that front seven of Oklahoma State? That sort of wore down and run support at the end of the yep. year. Now, Trace Ford, their defensive end for Oklahoma State, is out. Dominic Richardson has transferred out of the program to Baylor. But Mike Gundy is 5-1, and one, Ben, straight up. Uh, over his last six bowl games, he's got 11 bowl wins, second only to Mac Brown, active coaches. So I like Oklahoma State in the spot. This game is typically an under. We saw West Virginia and Minnesota 18-6 last year. Give me Oklahoma State plus the points, but I'll go under the 45 and a half in this matchup. It's a new regime coming into Madison next season. Of course, Luke Fickle as the head coach. Phil Longo, the former offensive coordinator at North Carolina, who runs an air raid attack. But the Badgers still this year run the football, and that has been their credence for many, many years. 57% of their plays on the ground. Oklahoma State giving up nearly 180 in rush support defensively this year. Keep an eye on the props if they come out on both Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, as Joe Lisi highlighted there. Who is the real Kansas, Joe? I guess we'll find out tomorrow. KU and Arkansas, Kansas and our Kansas, if you will. It is the first bowl game for the Jayhawks, Joe, since 2008. It's a short two-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Hogs. So the first bowl trip for Lance Leipold and KU since 2008. Can they take advantage, Joe, and get a bowl victory? 
They can, but they won't. This is my favorite bowl game of the year. It's an SEC West offense and defense align. K.J. Jefferson and that offensive attack, I think, can run it will on the front seven of Kansas. Not to take away from the success that Lance Leopold has had, but I'm willing to lay up to nine and a half. How about that? All Ooh. spread. My favorite bowl game of the year. Woo, pig suey, baby. Give me Arkansas. I love Arkansas. My 15 diamond crypto play of the year. I love it. <laughs> the 15 diamond crypto play of the year. You can find more locks like that at joeleasyleans.com. I let a woo pig suey chant a call to the hogs in the streets of Manhattan last week, Joe, on Benny and the Bats. But I'll it. look at KU in this game and their dynamic quarterback in Jalen Daniels. Arkansas's pass defense all year has been pretty bad. We'll see what the props are for the second of four bowl games tomorrow on a Wednesday. The first game up is the military bowl between Duke and UCF. Right now, the Blue Devils, a three-and-a-half point favorite one of the best bowl games of the bowl calendar joe each and every year from a premier program standpoint the holiday bowl in san diego and it also has the highest total of the entirety of this bowl season oregon facing off against north carolina 74 and a half joe is the number for the over under the 14 and a half the ducks are laying tied for the largest spread of this bowl season as well the expectation joe lisi tomorrow night is points in southern california will we see it with a total at 74 and a hook I don't see any way we can. Both starting corners have transferred out from North Carolina. Oregon's down to three linebackers. You have North Carolina that lost their last two ball games. Oregon's lost their last five out of seven, Ben. Two good quarterbacks. I mean, a total of 65 touchdowns between them. I mean, come on. We got to get points in this matchup. I lean to Drake May catching two touchdowns. I know they limit to the finish line. But Mac Brown, yeah. with the extra weeks of preparation, like I mentioned, 14 total bowl wins, most of active coaches, and I think he's got the better quarterback heading into this ball game. Without both OCs, give me North Carolina plus the points to keep it close. The over-under opened at 70 and a half. It is up by four points. Points aplenty tomorrow night in San Diego. Joe, I'm glad you brought up both quarterbacks in this game because Drake May returns to UNC in Chapel Hill next year. And Bo Nix is coming back to Eugene as well. Joe, when you look at the season stats for both of these QBs, Drake May in his freshman year in Chapel Hill was absolutely sensational. A Heisman candidate for a good majority of 2022. And the same can be said for Bo Nix. So as you fast forward the tape to 2023, do you think both of these quarterbacks stand a chance at being Heisman frontrunners entering next college football season? Uh Absolutely, Ben. I mean, because of the athleticism, it's not just their arm. It's what they can do outside on the perimeter with their legs. They're mobile quarterbacks. They extend plays. And they're going to have an opportunity to potentially be one of the best teams in both of their respective conferences. So at the end of the day, they're going to be in the area of potentially 12 to maybe 20 to 1 at the start of the year. Absolutely so. I think both of these quarterbacks will be at least within the top 10. Drake May is going to probably have the second or third best price entering next season to win the Heisman Trophy. If you've been following college football today at all throughout this season, you know Joe Lisi in GIF form goes ping, 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 guns up in Lubbock for Texas Tech. A bowl game tomorrow night in the Texas Bowl against 
Ole Miss. Also a large total in this one, Joe Lisi. 71 in a hook with the running Rebs, a three and a half point favorite. How do you break down the Texas Bowl tomorrow night? Joey, Joey McGuire has done a fantastic job. I think it comes down to you know, who wants to be there. I think Texas Tech does. They can run the football with Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks. Average over five yards per carry over their last three meetings. The former Oregon quarterback, Tyler Shook, looks very comfortable in the scheme. And I think Texas Tech has the athleticism to contain Jackson Dart in that offense. I think they're live plus the three and a half. I also like them plus 146 on the money line. One of my better bets of the bowl season as well. Ole Miss, the second best rushing offense in the country, averaging 264 on the ground, entering the Texas Bowl tomorrow night. A shout-out to our guy, Quinshawn Judkins. For our other guy, old K-Dubs, keep an eye on his rushing yards prop against the Red Raiders tomorrow night. If Joe Lisi will allow, I think he's going to be back here in hour number two on Friday to break down the college football playoff. Until then, Joe, have a wonderful week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the association we go. Live right here on this Tuesday morning on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Now joined by one of the premier basketball minds here on the Spiz Grizz Network. That would also be our producer here on TMA each and every weekday morning. It is John Shames. I hope you tuned in to in-game live primetime on Christmas evening to see that basketball insight on full display. And listen, we could break down bowl season as well because that's a college football mind you see on your screen here on the morning after. John Shames, thank you as always for spending a little time with us to drop some hardwood expertise on TMA. Yeah, Benny, I'm happy to be here. And listen, real quick, let me just ask you, you see this right now? Oh. See where this right now? It's yep. the biggest muscle on muscle. my body. My college football muscle, baby. I was flexing that all night on Sunday. It was a great time, me and Patty Foster. Listen, man, it's, it's nice to get out of the domain. I love NBA, but it's nice to branch out a little right. bit, get some wagers in elsewhere. It was, it, was, it was quite a time, I must say. For sure. Who do you like in the Birmingham Bowl today? The Battle of Carolinas between ECU and Coastal. Uh, I'm a Coastal guy. Through and through. You know, I just don't think. Sure. I don't know. I was going to make something <laughs> up there, but. Uh... <laughs> That's all right. It's, I Listen, I can't wait to see what the DMs are popping like after you flexed on live national television. So let's dive in to the NBA. Use your basketball insight here to go around the association. Shames, it really picks up on Christmas Day, and we saw that on the day following. A huge game in Cleveland between two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, the Cavaliers hosting the Nets. Brooklyn entered as a slight two-and-a-half-point underdog, and they went outright. Not just winning outright on the road in the land, but for their ninth straight game. Nine straight victories for the Brooklyn Nets. They are victorious in 13 of their last 14 games. So, Shamesy, tell us why. What is working so well for Brooklyn at this moment? It's bucket scoring, Ben. It would not be anything else with this Nets team. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant last night both put in 32 points, and that has been the tail of the tape for the Nets over these past 10 games or so. That offense is eclipsing over 120 points per game in that stretch. So the Nets are playing incredible 
on that end right now. The defense, surprisingly, or actually unsurprisingly, I should say, has actually been worse than their normal season average during the span. So it's been a tale of all offense for Brooklyn. And, you know, it's nice. It's funny, Ben, when you can add TJ Warren, a guy who can legit average 20 points over the course of an 82-game season, off of your bench, that's going to be a large contribution as well. And 23 points for him last night, the third leading scorer for the Brooklyn Nets. It has been the tale of getting buckets, and that is what we know this Nets team to do. You mentioned it, both KD and Kyrie scoring 32 points each last night, both over their points props entering the game. The Brooklyn Nets have also, despite or in, on top of winning nine straight games, have won 15 of their last 17. On the other side, Darius Garland had 46 points and eight dimes, but an underwhelming performance for Spida Donovan Mitchell only finishing with 15 points. Let's start with Brooklyn, Shamesy guy. It feels Mm -hmm. weird because right now we're only highlighting the successes of the Nets strictly on the basketball court. Nine straight victories, and there's really been no drama since Kyrie Irving returned to the organization. So how do you evaluate Brooklyn at this moment for the rest of this NBA season? Yeah, I think it's a matter of if they can play up to that ceiling. This is largely the team that we expected them to be and largely the team that we saw last year too, right? We know that this team is capable of you know outrunning their opponents, getting up the court quick, and then really matching that in their half-court offensive sets as well with those two premier guys that we mentioned before. So for Brooklyn right now, it's a matter of is this sustainable, this offensive level? I'm not entirely sure if I buy into that. We know that they're playing just about as well as anyone could offensively right now. So over the course of you know, the next few months, will that trend hold? I'm a little suspect on that, and I think you know, almost, I don't want to say it's concerning, but until I see that Nets defense really step up, I don't know if I have full belief in this team being a title contender after seeing last year, you know, the same thing all year, all that offense is going to allow them to stick around and be a real threat in the Eastern Conference. Well, when it came down to it, they could not, that offense, A, got slowed down and they could not, uh, you know, get any stops in key moments, which is why they got swept by the Boston Celtics in that first round. So, defense is going to need is is going to be what we need to see from the Brooklyn Nets for me to fully buy in so shamesy guy both Brooklyn and Cleveland have 22 wins this year but the Nets only 12 losses the Cavs have 13 losses so Brooklyn technically the third best record in the Eastern Conference and a plus 410 Mm. number to win the East also the third best price behind Boston and Milwaukee Cleveland's still there though maybe with some value the fifth best number at 10 to 1 at this point John Shames who is the better bet to win the Eastern Conference crown between Brooklyn and Cleveland if I was putting my real life money on it Ben I would probably bet Cleveland just because I believe in teams with that defensive identity a bit more as it pertains to sustainability in the postseason right I think the Boston Celtics last year were a prime example of that you know, how far defense can take you. So we know the Cleveland Cavaliers have an unbelievable defensive front court, and they certainly have a few wing defenders on the perimeter as well to make it hard for elite forwards in that Eastern Conference. I'm a little shaky on buying into a team that I've never seen play before. You know, a nucleus that is fresh for the postseason this year. Donovan Mitchell, of course, the biggest name for the Cavaliers and the newest face over there. So I don't know if I love the idea of buying in on that, but the Nets, to me, at plus 410, I'm looking at this list here, 
I think it's the same thing we saw last year. You're paying this Nets tax right now just because they're a household name, just because they have those star players and those big faces up front. To me, a $6 difference between the Nets and Cleveland is completely unwarranted, and I think that is just a matter of public opinion right now. Certainly when you win nine straight games, your number is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. Brooklyn, again, victorious in 15 of their last 17 as well. But just about a week and a half ago, that price on Brooklyn to win the East was around a 7-1 to one ticket. So some value being sapped away at this moment while there still is that value on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also a 22-win basketball team, just one more loss than Brooklyn at this point. A team that is certainly off to a great start in the Western Conference the New Orleans Pelicans, John, and they have won three straight games even without Zion Williamson. A 20-point victory last night at home in the Big Easy, 113-93 over Indiana. The Pels easily covering as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So a three-game win streak now for New Orleans without Zion Williamson, without Brandon Ingram, who hasn't played since the end of November in over a month at this point what will this mean for new orleans as they try to continue at this pace all season long in the west listen new orleans is is the new nba baby death by wing and that is what they are doing out here the, the wings top to bottom on this roster it's cj mccollum you know if you want to throw him into that category alongside herbert jones you know brandon ingram zion williamson Najee marshall last night steps up and scores 23 for the pelicans as well and you know you said it there's a few guys missing trey murphy was out last night dyson daniels was also out for the new orleans pelicans but we're seeing that what this team can do defensively holding indiana which has been a very potent offense thus far ben to just 93 points and really slowing down Tyrese Halliburton he has one of his worst games of the entire season and I think that is what the New Orleans Pelicans are trying to do this year they want to be that defensive team you know and if you if you talk to Willie Green their head coach that's what he's going to tell you as well that is their identity that's where they can be consistent every single night and if you have that defense playing at such a high level when you start introducing guys back into the lineup like Zion Brandon Ingram you know CJ can have his big nights as well these guys are capable of putting up points as well as holding their opponents, you know, to under 100 as we saw last night. And they did that last night on the defensive end without probably their best defensive player in Herb Jones, the second-year player out of Alabama, a defensive stalwart for that New Orleans team. It was not a great night, John, for Tyrese Halliburton. Like you mentioned, just 12 points well under his prop of 20 and a half only six dimes well under his assist prop of nine in a hook and the over had the heavy juice for that assist prop when you look at the most improved player award in the NBA Tyrese Halliburton has the second best price plus 360 but it's a minus number on Shea Gilgis Alexander how do you evaluate this market John do you think there is value on Halliburton here following Christmas I certainly think there is value on Halliburton, and I believe these odds are actually moving and kind of reflecting that idea as well. I want to say Shea Gilgis was in that minus 300 at one point, if I'm remembering that correctly. So a little bit of movement there. The reason Tyrese is live, in my opinion, yes, I understand Shea averaging 30 points a game, you know, shooting over 50% from the field. That is tough to beat. But Tyrese has that narrative on his side with the Pacers playing such good basketball right now, and he's averaging 20 points himself and leading the league in assists per game right now. So Tyrese Halliburton really making his own case by, behind his strong play. But the key here, in my opinion, Ben, 
will be the health of or the perceived health of Shea Gilgis Alexander. We know the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah. are probably going to fall back down to the bottom of that Western Conference in the near future here. And when that happens, are they still going to play Shea Gilgis throughout the rest of the regular season? That is my concern if I were to be a better on SGA in this award is that the Thunder might have a change of heart. They might decide that they're going for Victor and they might shut him down alongside of Josh Giddy or whoever else is picking up wins for this team, putting them to the bottom of that conference and then maybe disqualifying Shea Gilgis-Alexander from winning this award just by games played. To think about Victor Wembayama on that OKC team and all the young talent alongside Chet Holmgren, Man. who most likely will not play this year, crazy. That yeah. would be the future of basketball personified on an NBA court. The Pelicans right now, like you mentioned, James, the second best record in the Western Conference, but the team with the best mark, that would be the Denver Nuggets at this point. Denver, a three-point road favorite tonight in Sacramento against the Kings. Denver has the best record in the Western Conference, John James, but are the Nuggets the best team in the West? Man, I've been... I've been trying to, to decipher this one all morning. I've been thinking a lot about the Denver Nuggets. You, and you and I talked a little bit when we came in. We, we got in a little bit of an argument, Ben. Mommy and Daddy were fighting about Nikola Jokic <laughs> potentially winning his third straight MVP. I'm not necessarily bought into that idea, but the Nuggets right now are playing exceptional basketball and another team whose offense is really chugging right now. They have the depth behind Jokic as well, who, of course, we know is capable of these absurd 40-point triple doubles, which he did again with 41, 15, and 15. So Nikola Jokic yeah. at the top of that tree there for the Denver Nuggets. And then you have Jamal Murray working his way back and getting healthier. Aaron Gordon has been a wonderful addition to this team and really replacing what they lost in Jeremy Grant a few seasons ago, that traditional 3 and D wing. So as much as, you know, I, I want to – kind of pause on Denver right now because we have not seen them have that postseason success besides in the bubble season. They're just playing so well right now, and the offense is clicking on all cylinders. I don't think you can write out Denver in what is right now, in my opinion, a pretty weak Western Conference. They're tied three odds there, all tied up with yeah. Denver, uh, Memphis, and Golden State, who I just do not think deserves to be on that list. But maybe a time to buy in on Denver, Benny. The standings reflect a different number right now. When you look at Denver, the best record in the West, the Pelicans, the second best mark at this moment, and the Grizz looking to bounce back at home tonight after the disappointing effort on Christmas Day in San Francisco. Mm. An eight-point favorite for Memphis tonight against those Phoenix Suns, still booked as the favorites, is Phoenix to win the Western Conference. John, thank you as always. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We round out our number one the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz network as well. That is Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us in this opening hour of this Tuesday, live right here on TMA. We started out this hour with a ton of news yesterday from around the National Football League. Now that Monday Night Football Week 16 has come to a close, just two weeks remain in this NFL regular season. And the Miami Dolphins are in the heat of the AFC wild card chase. But the concern maybe for their quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa, is not his availability for this upcoming weekend against the New England Patriots, but maybe in the long term as the quarterback for their franchise. Tua Tungabailoa entering concussion protocol yesterday for the third documented time this season. Should Tua play again this year in 2022? That was the question and fade the public. So that is what we asked you at SportsGrid TV, our Fade the Public poll. Should Tua Tungabailoa play again this season? Simple answers here with maybe a more complex conversation. Yes or no. In most of the public, a heavy majority of the public, 85% of the public saying no. Tua Tungabailoa should not play again this season in 2022. I would tend to agree. The long-term health of the individual, not just the football player in Tua Tungabailoa, but the individual is at stake here. Yes, his status for Sunday's game in Foxborough against New England is certainly in doubt. Tua Tungabailoa self-reported the concussion-like symptoms on Monday afternoon that have now placed him in concussion protocol for a third time this year. And his long-term health, that needs to be the focus for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Of course, the football conversation is a part of this equation. You know Tua, more than anybody, wants to be out on the football field for his Dolphins team in the stretch run of the playoff chase in the AFC, but his long-term health is more important. Hour number two of the morning after, next.